listening to PetLifeRadio.com. You've had a long day at work, and you can't wait to just get home, take off your shoes, plop yourself down in your favorite chair, and relax. Ah. You walk up to your tranquil residential home and your neatly manicured lawn in your quiet suburban neighborhood, put the key in the lock, open the door, and... Yes, the pets have gone wild! What were you thinking? Welcome to the show about everything you always wanted to know about exotic pets. Where to get them, what to feed them, and how to care for them. You'll even find out why some people live with a monkey. Now, here's your host, exotic pet expert and author, Bob Tart. Hey, Bob, what were you thinking? Hi, I'm Bob Tart, author of the books Enslaved by Ducks and Foul Weather, and I'm calling this week's episode Not Just Another Duck Show. There's a reason I'm calling it that. Both of my books feature ducks, and I get lots of emails from people who keep ducks, and it's easy for me to keep doing shows about the subject, and I like to do them. This show's a little different, though, because it's as much about Bill Volkart's life story as it is about his Mount Holly Duck Sanctuary in southern Ohio. And Bill, I believe you're in the southern portion of the state, is, is that right? Yeah, we're in the county just east of Cincinnati, Ohio. All right, so you're down in the tropics, at least compared to Michigan. Well, yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, Bill has been the owner and operator since 2005 of the Mount Holly Duck Sanctuary. And I'm going to give you the URL for Bill's website. And it's simply all one word, mounthollyducksanctuary.com, but make sure to abbreviate mount. So you've got mthollyducksanctuary.com. And we're going to find out how the Mount Holly Duck Sanctuary came about. And Bill's story really isn't like any story you have ever heard before. It's, uh, I, I haven't heard one like it before. It's, it's great. So Bill is also the author of the excellent children's book, Meep Finds His Way. And I am holding the book in my clammy little hands right now. And I highly recommend it. He's also a freelance magazine writer. And he has... How many articles have you published, Bill? Uh, a little over 400. Good grief. Since 1986. Yeah, I think you're about 200 ahead of me. That's, that's great. And you are vice president of the... National Amateur Press Association. They were founded in 1876 in Philadelphia. Wow. And uh, it's a group of writers, printers, former editors of newspapers, things of that nature. And we all, you know, commune together and have our annual conventions and all the things that you expect. Yeah, well, that's great. And in addition to all that, you are also owner-operator of Dazzle Services, a Cincinnati window cleaning company. Well, something has to pay for the duck food. Yeah, and as you told me, this today hasn't, probably this last week or so, hasn't been very good for window cleaning. Well, we've been getting a lot of bad weather, and, you know, you, you really can't do that sort of thing in the rain. No, um, I've been saying to Linda that this uh, weather we've been getting lately, it's more like the end of October than the beginning. Yeah, I know. It, it's coming on a lot faster than it used to. Yeah. Well, we are definitely going to talk about Bill's book, but before we do that, we're going to talk about Bill's death. Now, I haven't started doing interviews with ghosts on what were you thinking, but I am perfectly open to the topic. 
So if someone out there has a cooperative spirit living in their midst, uh, they are welcome to contact me. But uh, it, it's different with Bill. Bill, would you like to tell me a little bit about when and how you died? Well, in 2005, uh, at the age of 54, I had a stroke. Now, that alone is bad enough. But during the stroke, I died in the emergency room, and I was dead for two minutes. Aside from, you know, the usual questions that I get from people, what happened and what did you see, uh, what's most interesting to me is when I came back home. I was paralyzed on my left side, and I started looking out the window, and, God, why did you send me back here? Give me a sign. Don't ask God for a sign unless you're serious. <laughs> yes. Seven Muscovy ducks, I know what they are now, I didn't know them, came marching down the driveway in a straight line. And I jumped and, you know, I had my wife take a picture and all that stuff. And, you know, I was just amazed that I actually had gotten an answer. And I firmly believe to this day that that's been, you know, that was my mission. So you you ask God for a reason why you were kept alive, and mm. immediately you got an answer, and the answer was ducks. Ducks, ducks. You sent me back for ducks, not to cure cancer or world peace or anything like that. Ducks. Yeah. Now, had you seen these ducks around the neighborhood before? No, no. In fact, we live on a property that has a pond. We lived here for eight years at that time. And no ducks or geese had ever come to live on it. Much less Muscovy ducks, which... Muscovies. I didn't even know what they were. When I first saw them, I thought they had to be a duck-goose cross. Yeah, I've had some people see ours and say, is that some kind of a turkey? Which is a little far-fetched. But if you're just looking at the head, I guess you could come to that conclusion. So, okay, I interrupted you. So you saw the ducks, and then, and then what? Well, then, of course, the object became, you know, I have to take care of these ducks, and I didn't know anything about ducks. So I went online, and I started to learn as much as I could about how to care for them, what they ate, what, what kind of housing they needed, uh, health issues they might have, and that sort of thing. And when I left the hospital, I got no therapy. They just sent me home and said, have a nice day. And you were paralyzed on one side? On my left side, yes. Anyway, uh, when that happened, I, of course, had to build a fence because there was no fence on the edge of the property and they were getting out into the road and I was afraid they were going to get killed. So I had to go out and slowly build a fence. How were you able to do that? Well, I, after a little while, I was able to walk maybe as much as 10 feet. Mm -hmm. And so I'd go out there and I'd sit a plastic chair down in the grass and I'd drive a stake and I'd hook the fence to it and I'd move the chair 10 feet and I'd sit back down and I'd drive another stake and around the property we went. And then, of course, now they've got to have some place to live. Well, let me, let me take you back a little bit before we go to that and getting back to your first seeing these ducks. Now, if I were to see ducks marching, you know, down the driveway or in the yard, I would either think that uh, they were wild ducks or I would think that they belonged to someone else and they were just passing through. So what was your, what was your immediate reaction and, and how did you come to the realization that they needed taken care of? Well, they looked hungry and we had some chicken mash. Uh, from a previous uh, need, I 
actually was growing mealworms in it for fishing. And we fed that to them, and they ate it all. And I thought, well, these ducks are obviously hungry. And my wife and I started to you know, go to the feed store and buy food for them, and bring it home, and, and serve it up. So they didn't fly away or scoot no, away when you walked they, outside? They like they were very accustomed to humans. <laughs> so did they did they come up to you when you went outside? What, yeah, what happened? What kind of a surprise was that? Well, when they started to untie my shoelace, <laughs> pull on my pants legs, I kind of figured we were going to be friends. Yeah, and did they do... Um, what I like about Muscovies and what surprises a lot of people is that they don't quack. Yeah, I was surprised at that. At the, the panting and hissing that the males do actually can seem sort of menacing. Yeah, in my case, they were all female. I didn't know that, of course, uh, but they were all female, so they all made this little cooing sound. <laughs> and I thought that was really cute. Of course, I was waiting for them to quack, and they never did. <laughs> and I didn't find out until much later. I mean, it was months after that before I was even able to figure out what breed they were. Yeah. Because I didn't know what to search for. In, well, yeah. In the computer, because I didn't know the name. So I just asked around until I eventually ran into somebody that said, oh, those are Muscovy ducks. Huh. So you were out there building the fences. Mm-hmm. And uh, how did they take to their new life? You know, how, how did that go? Oh, they very much appreciated it, I think. I think more, more than anything, I think they appreciated getting three square meals a day. Um, but they weren't, you know, they weren't impacted by the fence. I mean, they were able to fly, and if they felt inclined, they could have always left. In fact, every now and then one would leave and would come back later in the day. I don't know where it went, but, you know, they didn't leave, and, and the fence did keep them from getting out in the street and getting killed. So uh, it was one of those things where, you know, it really didn't impact their life directly, but it, it, it ensured their survival. So that was step one, is that uh, your first uh, realization, I guess, was that at least one reason that you were still alive was to immediately take care of the needs of these ducks. But um, how did that turn into the Mount Holly Duck Sanctuary? How, how did you get to the next step? Well, after that, I discovered that Yahoo had various groups, and some of the groups were affiliated were affiliated with ducks, uh, people that already had ducks and kept ducks, and I thought, this is a good place for me to learn. And after I got to talking to some of them, I realized there were other people that had sanctuaries for ducks, and I thought, well, I've got five acres here and a pond, and apparently I have what these ducks need, so you know, just opened my heart to any others that might come along. So were you kind of at this point still looking deeper into the question of what it was you were supposed to do with the rest of your life? Uh, that took a while for me to gradually figure out because I was in shock for the first month, I think. I mean, I even tried to build them a house out of hay bales, yeah. uh, which was the only thing I had handy. Yeah. And, and they wouldn't go in it. And, you know, so... It, for me, it was all a learning experience as much as anything, uh -huh. since I knew nothing to going into it, and I pretty much had to start with a blank slate. Because I'm just thinking, if I were to ask, why am I still here, and I saw seven ducks, I would, I would at first think, this is a symbol of something else, and, and look beyond that, but uh, in a way, 
it was what it was, but also a symbol of kind of more of the same. Mm-hmm. I mean, it wasn't anything anything too esoteric. It was um, not just these ducks, but many more ducks. So, well, as I became more familiar with other people that kept ducks, I started to realize that there are a lot of ducks that needed homes. Uh, Easter ducks, for example, they, people get them for the kids at Easter, and oh, they're so cute, and then when they get to be a little bit too big and start to poop in the house, well, all of a sudden the cuteness is gone, and they want to get rid of them. I don't think people understand how messy ducks are when you try to keep them in the house. Mm. No, I don't think they have any appreciation. Or even when you even when you keep them outside, they can yeah. be a bit of a challenge. I read somewhere that your average duck produces about eight ounces of poop a day. So yeah, forty seven ducks. Wow, I do it's easy to do the math. <laughs> yeah, it's right right there in front of you. Wow. What were the first ducks that you took in, other than your original group? Well, actually, the first ones after that turned out to be uh, little brown roan khaki camel crosses. Uh, this lady had them in her condo. Uh, her grandson had brought them home from a school project. And at first he took care of them. And like most children, he eventually lost interest and wandered off. And she was pretty much stuck raising them. And they were about a foot tall and running around in the basement of her condominium. And you can just imagine the mess that was. Yeah. And she needed a home for them. And I'm not 100% sure at this point how she found us, but she did. And she called me and she said, I have these ducks. And I think she may have actually called my veterinarian. Yeah, I have these ducks and they need a home. Can you provide a home for them? And I said, sure. And she brought them down and and they moved in and joined the Muscovy. And not too long after that, we wound up with a female Pekin and a female and a male Mallard, whose legs had been deformed at, at birth, or actually in the egg, and they never worked properly. Was this a wild Mallard or a farm Mallard? A uh, farm Mallard. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so I, I had to bring them into the house. Yeah. And give them accommodations uh, and provide for all of their needs because they couldn't go find their own food. They couldn't take a bath in the pond. They, you know, there were everything in the world that they would have normally done, they couldn't do except eat, sleep, and go to the bathroom. And so we set them up in, in the other room and we gave them a TV set to watch because we figured, you know, they needed something for stimulation. Oh, yeah. And it turned out that my one little Pekin girl, Trouble, uh, was her name. She found out she liked Barney the Dinosaur. (laughs) Normally, Pekins quack a lot. Now, Trouble was a pretty quiet duck. And we didn't really hear a lot from her. You know, when the cat would run by her box, sometimes she'd squack, you know, but he just startled her. But when Barney would come on in the afternoons, all of a sudden I'd hear quack, 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 quack. Quack, quack, quack. And I was like, what in the world is that? You know, so I went out there, and, and of course, the kids on the TV show are singing along with Barney the Dinosaur, and she's quacking. So I guess I, I guess I could say she was singing along. Wow, wow. Well, we're going to take a break for a second for a word from my sponsors, and 
We will return for more with Bill Volkart about the TV viewing habits of ducks. And so, hang on. What Were You Thinking? We'll be right back after Bob gets the ducks out of his living room. Don't go away. It's time for school for you and your friends, your furry best friends. Train your dog the fun and easy way with Teacher's Pet Sessions. Teacher's Pet host Pia Silvani teaches you step-by-step how to train your dog the fun and easy way. You get eight 30-minute live audio training sessions, complete transcripts of each session, plus a basic training manual to get you and your dog off to a great start. Training begins the moment you bring your dog home. Teacher's Pet Sessions offers positive reinforcement training to shape your dog's behavior and encourages upbeat, enthusiastic responses to ensure that your dog will enjoy learning. Teacher's Pet Sessions dog training is fun at both ends of the leash. So listen, learn, and laugh with your dog with Teacher's Pet Sessions. Get your copy of Teacher's Pet Sessions Volume 1 today. To order, go to TeachersPetSessions.com. Hi, this is Pia Salvani, your host. Bring your dog, tug toy, and treats, and get ready to have some fun. TeachersPetSessions.com Give your dog some thought. With Dog Thoughts, it's the iPhone application that everyone's talking about. Hey, what do you think of this? A man in Davis, California says he's invented an application for the iPhone that claims it can read your dog's mind. Huh? No, it's true. Now, I read about it on my cat's Twitter page. That's fine. Jay Leno talked about it, CBS reported on it, and now you can see what all the buzz is about. Created just for dog lovers, Dog Thoughts makes taking photos of your furry best friend more fun. Shake your dog and read his mind. On your iPhone, of course. Take a pic of your pup, shake your phone, and watch as his thoughts appear on the screen. Does he have a bone to pick with you, or is he having a tail-wagging day? Get your Dog Thoughts iPhone app today. Just 99 cents. Go to PetLifeRadioPromotions.com. That's PetLifeRadioPromotions.com. Greetings, human. What planet am I on? Welcome to Pet Planet. Here's a copy of Pet Planet Magazine, Florida's most informative and fun pet resource magazine. It features heartwarming stories and informative articles from local and national pet experts. Excellent. Pet Planet Magazine offers Operation Planet Rescue, helping rescued pets find new homes. And it's available at 500 locations in South and Central Florida and 24-7 on the Internet at PetPlanetMagazine.com. If you're out and about with your pet, you may be featured in paparazzi, candid pictures of you and your pet. For up-to-date pet-friendly events, activities, and pet-related services and products, Pet Planet Magazine is your final destination. I shall take this magazine home with me. Back to your home planet? No, to my condo in Boca. Pet Planet Magazine. Check them out at www.petplanetmagazine.com or 352-394-8578. It's out of this world. When you're looking to add a pet into your life, consider adopting a homeless animal from your local shelter or rescue group. Whether you want a kitten, puppy, or a more mature pet, a purebred or a one-of-a-kind mixed breed, even a rabbit or hamster, 
your shelter has the best selection of animals anywhere, all screened for good health and behavior. PetLifeRadio.com presents Take Me Home with your host, Susan Daffron. Join us each week as we showcase wonderful pets, tell stories, and even throw some pet education into the mix. So get ready to find out why the pet adoption option can be a great way to add a furry companion into your life. Take me home every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. <laughs> Okay, ducks are in the pond, rabbits in his hutch, and monkeys... Ow! In my car! Oh, okay, well, I go check my insurance policy. We'll turn you back over to Bob. Hi, I'm Bob Tart, and we are back again with Bill Volkart. If you want to be a guest on What Were You Thinking? It's very easy to do. Just send me an email. Email me at Bob at PetLifeRadio.com. That's all there is to it. And if you want to find out about my books, Enslaved by Ducks and Fall Weather, please visit my website, which is simply BobTart.com. That's B-O-B-T-A-R-T.com. And if you want to get a copy of Bill Volkart's book, Meep Finds His Way, the best place to go is to the Mount Holly Duck Sanctuary website. And again, that's just all one word, M.T. Holly, H-O-L-L-Y, DuckSanctuary.com. Bill, it sounds like that you really had a rapport with a uh, impaired or handicapped duck, and that's really a good point to start talking about your book. Well, uh, the book sort of came by accident. Uh, I have a friend who I've been talking to for years, and she lives in Dallas, Texas, and she found out about the ducks. And then she went to the feed store one day to get some food for her dog. And in a tub, there were some ducklings. And she had no intentions of taking one home, but one of them was kind of off by itself, and it looked like it wasn't having a very good time of it. And she asked the fellow that owned the feed store, you know, what's wrong with this duck? Why is it over here by itself all cuddled into a ball? And the fellow looked at her and said, oh, it's blind, it probably won't live more than a couple of days, it never gets enough to eat, the other ones pick on it all the time. And she said, well, can I buy it? And he said, lady, you can have it. And he gave her the blind duck. Well, she came home and sent me an email and said, I've got a blind duck now. And my response to that was, good, how are you going to take care of it? Right. know anything about ducks. And she said, oh, you'll help me. <laughs> which I did and through internet messaging and you know, email back and forth for about a year we mutually raised the duck it had certain issues it couldn't see to find its food and water bowls for example and that's one of the things that's in the book uh, so I suggested that she put wind chimes over top of that spot yeah I love that part of the book so the duck could hear where the food and water was and it would be able to go there to it yeah, Meep gets lost in the pen. Yeah, he, there was no way he could see, you know, once he got into a corner, for example, how to get out. He'd keep running into the fence and running into the fence and, and, and didn't know to turn around and go anywhere else to get into the shade. So 
so he, he had a very difficult time of it in his first year. How did you think of something like that? That never would have occurred to me, the wind chimes. Well, I just went with, you know, okay, you don't have this sense, but you do have this. But it's such a nice, gentle sound, too. I, I like that. Mm-hmm. And, and it worked out. And eventually, the Meep started to get a little sad being alone because Julie, the lady that owned Meep, uh, owns Meep, moved, you know, or didn't move, but you would, she'd have to go to work, of course, and, and she'd be gone all day when she'd come home. You know, Meep obviously had no one to associate with, so he was pretty lonely. And so I told her he probably needs company, and she went out and got another duck. Of course, now Meep had grown quite a bit by now, uh, and, but it was smaller than him. But it was a female, and she named it Prudence. Prudy was its nickname. And they began to associate with each other, and Meep pulled out of his doldrums, and they became the proud parents of a flock of baby ducks. <laughs> well, anyway, at this point, I decided to write a little story about it, since I write anyway, and I sent that down to her so that she could enjoy seeing what happened basically in the past year. And she enjoyed the story, and a couple of other people did get a chance to see it, and they liked it too. And one day I was you know, getting ready to write a blog, and I was lazy, quite frankly. And I just decided, well, I've got this, I'm just going to put it there. So I copied and pasted it and stuck it in and in it with my blog for the day. Uh, as luck would have it, my ability to, to do anything in the way of artwork is limited to stick figures. <laughs> uh, there was a lady in Connecticut who was a children's librarian and an illustrator. And God has a strange sense of humor. And, and she wrote to me and said, I love this. I, I would love to illustrate this book. Yeah, her her drawings are just great. Yeah, her name is Maureen Heitman. And, and, and I said, well, that's great, but, you know, I don't have a lot of money. What would you want for that or what portion of the proceeds or whatever? And she said, I don't want anything for it. I just want to do it because she already had a pet duck named Drive-By. Because she was just driving by, and there the duck was, and she picked it up and took it home. And so uh, she started to work on the illustrations, and she'd send me, you know, samples, and I'd say, well, I like this, or I don't like that, or that doesn't look right, or this doesn't look like me, but he wouldn't have been that way. And, and we argued like, you know, two Italian tailors, you know, for about a year, and we finally got it you know, to the point where she had done some test readings in libraries up in Connecticut, and we found out, you know, what the kids could understand and couldn't understand. The original title of the book, for example, was Meep the Blind Duck. We discovered that blind was a negative word, and the kids didn't really get much out of it. So we changed it to Meep Finds His Way, mm -hmm. which did better in the, in the reading. So and the kids seemed to prefer it. It wasn't quite so dark. And uh, then we went from there. Uh, she sent the illustrations down to me in, in a CD format. And, I, and as luck would have it, Julie, Meep's mother, worked for a book publisher, and she knew how to format books. Ah. She could make PDF documents. So she did. She put in all the, the text and illustrations together and laid it out in, in, a, in a format that the publisher would be able to accept. And then I searched around for a publisher, and I was able to find one 
through Amazon.com. It's a subsidiary of theirs called CreateSpace. Okay. And it was a simple matter of just putting the CD-ROM into the computer and uploading the entire book. Wow. Illustrations, text, front and back covers and all. And you know, it's an on-demand publisher, so there was no large investment involved, just copies of the proof were really all I had to pay for. Oh, I didn't know you could do a book that looked this nice uh, as an on-demand publication. Well, I didn't either, and I was very pleased when I saw the end result. I was so pleased I bought 300 copies oh, myself yeah, yeah. to distribute and sell. And uh, it's still available on Amazon.com if people you know, would want to just get a, a copy of it there. Uh, you can easily find it there by either searching the author's name or the title, Meat Finds His Way. What age group is this oriented uh, for? I would say three to eight, mm-hmm. although I've had a number of adults say they loved it too. And so, you know, it was just one of those things that one thing led to another, like dominoes, and, you know, it just all kind of worked out that way. Tell me about the reactions that you get to it. Well, the kids, that I've, read, I've done readings for kids, and the kids love it. Parents love it. Uh, for one thing, it's it's a very uplifting book. You know, it has a happy ending, which everybody likes. I I remember taking it to one bookstore. I was trying to get a, a, one of the bookstores locally here to carry the, the title, and I gave them a copy. And I waited a few weeks, and I finally heard from them. They said, "No, we don't want it." I said, "Why?" And they said, "Well, because it's so sad." And I said, "Have you ever read Bambi?" <laughs> you know, you have to have an adversarial situation in order for the hero to overcome and that was how meep you know became meep uh, by overcoming those adversities yeah I, I but I didn't find it sad at all if it had a bad ending I would have found it sad but as you say it's it's uplifting yeah I, I think so anyway uh, and it, even though they didn't agree uh, there were a number of other bookstores that did agree that it was a good book and they do carry the title locally. Uh, Borders Books being one of them is a national chain. And you have more than one handicapped duck at home now, don't you? Uh, actually, right now I have one handicapped duck and mm-hmm. one that was. Okay. She's healing now. Uh, but she'd been out in an uh, apartment building pond, and the kids were chasing her, hitting her with sticks and throwing rocks at her, and they hurt her leg. That's a familiar story, isn't it? Yeah, it's very familiar. Uh, children can be very cruel to animals in general and ducks in specific because ducks really don't have the ability to get away that quickly and children can frequently get close enough to do harm to them before they realize they're going to. At your sanctuary right now, how many ducks do you have? Uh, we have 47. Are you kidding me? And no, no. So you took quite a leap from those original seven Muscovies and the uh, other couple ducks that people gave you. Yeah, yeah. Well, some of them were actually born here uh-huh. because I didn't know any better at the time. And, you know, I just let them lay eggs and hatch the eggs. Yeah. Uh, I had one white Pekin duck that came in a while back. And I have never seen a white Pekin duck set eggs, much less hatch them and raise the babies. Right. Because they've been bred for meat for so many generations that all their instinct has been bred out of them. And then she sat on her eggs and she hatched them and took very good care of them. And now I have 10 baby Pekins who are now full-grown Pekins running around the yard with their mother. Yeah. And we have a goose. 
Oh, what kind of a goose do you have? He's a Canada goose. I had a lady this winter call me up, and she said, I found this baby duck underneath a, a truck in a gas station parking lot, and it's all alone. It doesn't have any parents. I don't know about that, but usually when you see a goose by itself, that implies that both parents are dead. Mm-hmm. Because geese, in, in the case of geese, both parents raise the babies. So if one dies, the other takes over. Mm-hmm. Whereas with ducks, the female raises the babies, and the males just don't care. Right. Uh, so obviously, you know, I think both parents have probably been killed, or that baby would have been running around all alone. So she brought him over and held him out. I saw the black beak and the black feet, and they're very unduck-like characteristics. And I said, "Ma'am, this is a goose." And she goes, oh, does that mean you won't take him? (laughs) We'll take him anyway. And so we brought him into the house, and he lives in the house with us. And as he grew up, we got him a soft-sided baby crib Mm -hmm. and put him in there. And and he eventually grew so big, he was looking over the top of it at me. (laughs) And, you know, eventually we decided, well, it's about time you went outside. We named him Howard, and we took him out, and we put him with the ducks. And he gets along great with the ducks, but he comes up every night and wants to go back to bed. In the house? In the house. Yeah. You know, and so I bring him in, I put him back in his bed, and he starts to eat and drink, and then I put the little blanket over the top of his bed, just like you do over a bird cage. Oh, yeah. And he lays down in there and goes to sleep for the night, and then he gets up the next morning, and I pick him up and put him back on the floor, and he walks out the front door and joins the flock. Oh, that's great. You don't have any video of that, do you? No, I don't have any video. <laughs> I would love to see that. <laughs> it's, it's pretty unusual. Wow. And he follows me everywhere I go, and when I try to leave for work, he'll run down the driveway and, and try to stop me from leaving, including getting in, in the way of the vehicle, trying to you know, keep me from moving the truck. And, you know, he'll run up to the gate and look out of it at me as I drive away, and it's just this little pitiful face, like, dance, leaving, dance, leaving. <laughs> They are very affectionate. Uh, yeah. He's a wonderful guy. Yeah. Uh, my wife loves him. She enjoys spending time with him. Yeah. He, has a, he has two voices. He has his outside voice, which is more goose-like, the honk that everybody's familiar with, but he has what I call his mom and dad voice, which he uses when he's around us. He just goes, wee, 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 wee. And, you know, and that's all it is. I mean, he doesn't have any variations on it, but, you know, he'll just look up at you and make that wee, wee, weep sound and that little cute pink tongue yeah. and everything. You just have to bend over and pat him and he reaches up and nibbles my hair and pulls on my glasses and my mustache and whatever and you know he shows a lot of affection well that's great and believe it or not we've come to the end of the half hour i want to mention your book again and how great it's been having you on the show meep finds his way by bill volkart v-o-l-k-a-r-t and your website is mount holly sanctuary.com did i say that right this time uh, well actually one thing i wanted to point out is it's not a www Okay. Uh, it's HTTP colon forward slash forward slash MT, like you said, the abbreviation amount, mtholly.ducksanctuary.com. And they can always reach me there. And, of course, you can get the book through that website as, as well as a lot of other things, actually. We have other duck products that we sell, uh, T-shirts and keychains and that sort of thing. And of course, you can buy the book itself on Amazon.
Well, thank you very much, Bill, for being my guest today. And thanks to all my listeners, and thanks to my producer, Mark. This is Bob Tarch, your host of What Were You Thinking? And I will see you in the next episode. Thinking about buying a monkey? How about a ferret or a skunk? Then check out the show that will answer the burning questions, where do you get them? What do you feed them? How do you take care of them? And most of all, what were you thinking? With exotic pet expert and author Bob Tart, every week on demand from PetLifeRadio.com.